Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod brought to you in proud partnership with Guinness. This is the last week to get your entries in for DIY GNS Makeover. We're giving five rugby clubs across the UK a makeover. You just need to send a pic of your clubhouse bar to DIYGNS at therugbypod.com. Also, we have our Christmas live shows confirmed. Ho, ho, ho. Very good, Jim. We're doing one at the Cabbage Patch on the 5th of December and then the other at O'Neill's in Soho on the 13th. So check out eventbrite.co.uk and get yourself along to one of those. And as always, thanks a lot to Guinness for their support. Big Jim and Goody are here with me as usual. And Ulster and Ireland's Darren Cave is uh, just about finished off uh, celebrating after the weekend. How are you feeling, mate? How's the hangover? Uh, not too bad. There wasn't. Jim was speculating on Twitter. There was no two-day hangover. I was actually busy at training yesterday with Ulster. But uh, it was certainly a big uh, big weekend for Irish rugby, um, as you may or may not have heard. I was on the on the radio with BBC Radio Ulster. Just what a day. Did you, would you have celebrated that, Cavey? 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 Yeah, either or. What, what do your best mates call you? The pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but did you celebrate after, or was it a li- is it a little bit weird watching? You're seeing all the boys celebrating, regardless if you're injured or not in the squad. Is there a bit of you that's like, mm, just wish I was out there? Two Honestly. Or th- two or three years ago, you, when you first leave, like if you look back to, uh, I'm not sorry to bring it up, the 2015 World Cup. Yeah, no, let's talk about that. Um, when, when you feel like you should be there, it's harder to be happy for the guys. I'm at the stage now, I have closure, I think if... All the Irish centres play at their very best, and I played at my very best. Like I have closure that I think they're better players. Oh, than don't, so don't say have, that. Man. I think, listen, I'd love to play for Ireland, but I think the centre Irish centres are brilliant. So I was delighted. That Irish fella Bundyaki's a you know he play well in his half days. Yeah, well I wasn't the same as you, KV. Yeah, I went. I went no, to the World Cup. Well, no, the second. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> Well, yes. the, well, there you go. The, the centres in your position were good. The second, the second rows in my position were crap. But I said the same, and I got pelters after. I said when I got dropped from the 2015 World Cup, which I shouldn't have been dropped, like the boys were in the game against Australia in the quarterfinal, and there wasn't a thing that wanted me them to lose, but I was gutted that I weren't there. And there was a thing on me, a thing inside of me that didn't want them to win and go into the semi-final because I weren't there and I got pelters. So fair play to you. You were right. That That is a really natural feeling. Like it's it's hot when you're just out of it. You want to be part of it. It's not that you don't want Scotland to do well. It's just that you're sitting at home twiddling your thumbs and your teammates have a chance of going to go into the World Cup final. But I, I don't feel like that towards Ireland at all. I was absolutely delighted. So when you're commentating... You're at the stadium, right? Yeah. And uh, did you have the moment at the end? You m- everyone remember the Gary Neville moment when uh, was it Torres that scored against Barcelona? And he's like, Torres, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, the he'd, he'd literally like he'd emptied everything in his pants. Delighted. Did you have that moment at all at the end when when the whole place went wild, didn't it? And yeah. The- and it was the, the the Stockdale try as well because it was one of those as soon as he chipped the ball it was one of those you could see there was no one in behind yeah. and it was one of those everyone stood up immediately and as it bounced up the place was going mad and I well, where's the place? where were you? I was uh, in the front row of the media just bossing things just bossing things face for radio man that's what's <laughs> happening your voice is getting about man it's to do with the podcast so what last time I was on here we were chatting with the anthems Andy what's the guy called Nigel from, Yeldon apparently he's a big radio guy in New Zealand and he had the headphones off and was looking round in, in sheer amazement at the Aranavine the Irish anthem um, so maybe I have to retract what I said last time it was very the anthems the atmosphere it was absolutely electric so uh yeah, last time I'd sort of said that it was a shame that it was a bit of a thing to sing or not sing one of the Some of the, the boys, I noticed it on the weekend, some of the boys didn't sing it, did they? But that, that's what I said before. Some Carney, of them, Carney didn't sing it. 
some don't sing Iran Avene, some don't sing Ireland's Call, and uh, the, each have their reasons. Some don't sing at all, but I just, I just wish it wasn't a thing. Because Kev, you mentioned last time, yeah, when you were in Doobs, in, bo- in boobs, in boobs, Dubai for people that not one of the turning points for Irish rugby. One of the most iconic things was John Hayes and how emotional he got during during the both anthems. I didn't notice that that. Someone like Kenny. Why wouldn't he sing? Will it be a political thing with him? Will it be something in that, or is there nothing in it? I guess there's nothing in it, because despite how people like to make it out, people do grow up being British and wanting to play for Ireland, and so flags and politics don't really come into it. So I'd be very surprised if anybody had a genuine political motive saying, I'm not singing that because of this. Well, let's talk about politics, actually. Obviously, a big week in Brexit. Uh, you've come over from Belfast. How yeah. is, is, there a, is there a hard border going up there? Well, or? that's for, do you know... It, it's a big for the look at you look at that rugby team yeah you know so if there is a hard border like those boys are going to have like getting their passports checked going through an actual international border to go down to play for Ireland oh, I don't th- I don't think they are now after well, beating the All Blacks <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's mental through. it's mental I don't know uh, it's an absolute shambles but I don't know what's going shambles. on shambles do not do not Try and talk about Brexit with boobies, Goody. Have you seen him? It's breakfast, not Brexit. Mate. Yeah, yeah, you've got yeah. you've got yeah. the mixed. Hey, mate, I, I talk about Brexit every day at my job at Money Corp. It's blowing my mind. This anyway, ain't Ruggers. Back get, to Ruggers. Get political. Yeah, that's good. He doesn't get it. He just doesn't get <laughs> Brexit, it. Brexit. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, how how was your week again, Goody? No, I mean, you. How was your weekend of getting yeah, absolutely smoked by the Irish, mate? Still hurts. Yes, it really hurt. You got beaten by the best team in the world. Yeah, we did. I called it. Last week on the podcast, was I the only one that called it? I don't think you were, Jim, to be yeah, honest. I think. I wasn't on the podcast, but I called it. Did you? I love the way every week after we've done a podcast, Jim's like, see, called that one. And I'm like, I can't be asked to go back and check. What, what is he talking? Is it Jack and Ori Jim again, or is he actually t- telling the truth? No, it's, it's telling the truth. Well, he's pretty, you're pretty much Irish. Yeah. Your wife? Uh, yeah, my sister. But oh, both same, same thing. Was, same thing. Sister and wife. The sylph, the both. who? Someone's from County Andrum. Yeah, my sister was born in County yeah, Antrim. I thought it was wife. Yeah, so she might be as well. And, he, and he's <laughs> Devon Toner's best mate as well. How good was Devon Toner? He's not, that, been, he's not been on Twitter. I've been checking. I've been clicking on his name. You'll have to get him on sometime. I don't know where it is, where this has all come about, the Dev Toner thing. I'm a big fan of Dev. Yeah. Hold on, you're changing your no, tune no, here, mate. No, you I'm said not changing pregnant my tune. worm. You called him pregnant snake. Pregnant snake. Well, worm snake. Same the human thing. sperm. You called him that as well. well. Well, the tab hole, but yeah. And you just said that you filled him in every time we played against him and he wasn't very good. No, no, I filled him but in once. That I was, was there. Wolfhounds versus the Scottish Scotland, yeah, I was coming back from injury. I was coming back from injury. You were just up and coming there, 28. Murder the bloke. Does <laughs> <laughs> been a murder. Uh, anyway, that was the best performance by any Celtic second row I've ever seen by Devon Turner at the weekend. So I'm saying it here on the podcast. Devon Toner is 10 times the player that Jim Hamilton was. Mate, he was awesome at the weekend. Would he be in the top 10 second rows in the world? Oh, mate, it's a tough top 10. Maybe now. You, Maybe you claim, now you a claim that you, He said this on the podcast the other week. that In it, my prime. In his prime, he was in the 10 best second rows in the world. We Cave can stop not laughing. laughing. He's, not la- laughing. <laughs> he's laughing. He's just backed away. He's backed away from the mic. Well, we've got someone on the line that um, can tell us a little bit more about uh, what was going on on the weekend. Someone that was right in the thick of it. Maybe even uh, give an insight into how good Devon Toner really was. Sean Cronin, how are you, mate? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. I'm just listening to the conversation there, that famous game uh, in Ravenhill, I think it was, where Jim and Dev went at it. I was involved in it myself. So <laughs> what, what were your memories a, of that? I, a, I just remember a lot of limbs flying <laughs> and trying to get out of the way as quick as possible. Um, it was one of those unique things that you only see once in a lifetime, I think. Who won? Devon. Oh, so I'm going to have to go for Devon. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Well, you, you, mate, you, you should be saying that. With the, his performance at the weekend, mate, I'll let you off. Um, we'll get straight into it because I'm sure you're a bit dusty. But talk to us about 
the feelings. Let's go for the feelings on the pitch uh, straight after the whistle. Uh, I think just a, a relief because I suppose maybe we probably didn't have time on the pitch to be thinking about it. But 2013 was kind of lingering a small bit there, last play of the game, and it was it was just great. It was great to to get over the line, and I suppose just a, we probably learned a lot of lessons from that game, and you could see if those lessons kind of stood to us in the in the last couple of minutes to try and close it out and, and just get a, a massive a massive victory like that. And when you came on, obviously off the bench, you know you, you want to get involved and you want to you, your heart's pumping on that stuff. In the position that Ireland were in, are you thinking? this is the greatest game I've been involved in and just don't fuck it up because that defence at the end was, you expected, you go back to the game about three or four years ago, wasn't it, when Cruden slots the kick to win it at the yeah. death. Was that playing on anyone's mind or was it just fucking make some tackles, get in the way of big all-black people? I think it was just, yeah, it was all all hands on deck and just trying to stay in the systems that, you know, Andy Farrell has been drilling into us about just not wasting anyone on rocks or, or not committing too many men to the tackle like we had in, in 2013 and, just staying in the system, really, and uh, like you said, yeah, try not to try not to do anything stupid. And they were putting us under a lot of pressure in the last 15 minutes. We struggled to to, to keep the ball a small bit, but uh, like I said, I just think we stuck to our system well and and and, and closed it out, which was which was fantastic. Well, obviously, as well, we saw an awesome try. Stockdale's try in the game, clearly off the training paddock. What had you picked up about New Zealand on there? Were some of the boys holding holding the guys at the front of the line out as well? Yeah, it was just it was a real. I suppose Jacob could have linked. Uh, he could have linked with, with with someone on his outside there, but I think showed pretty big balls. Considering he, I think he'd been blocked down a couple of minutes earlier. But I think just youth, youth and exuberance there, and he went for it again. And you know he's 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 an awesome player, great bit of skill, picked it up and got over the line. And I think a few of the subs we were warming up behind got a bit carried away with ourselves as well. We joined in, but uh, thought he was going to get an elbow off one of the All Blacks. But um, it was uh, yeah, great bit of skill, and 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 he clearly backed himself. And he's on a pretty pretty hot streak at the moment so fair play to him so you said he showed his showed his big balls has he got big balls or small balls <laughs> there's a few lads with big balls in there now at the moment I bet there are mate I bet there are uh, Nugget it's KB here Joe's had that um, that uh, play up his sleeve for about 8 years I remember him trying it with Dars a few times am I right <laughs> uh, I don't want to be getting into the plays too much on uh just in case Joe might be listening, like, but uh, oh, yeah, he is listening. He is he, listening, mate. He, he never pulled that out of the bag with me and you in the pitch, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we, we were. I was never on the pitch for long enough. Here, <laughs> just, uh, just for the listeners, um, obviously you've been at Leinster now for about seven years. We reckon. Um, I know from uh, the Ireland schools days that you're originally a Munster man. What's that like, just in terms of your family, your friends, all the fans, etc. With the Munster Leinster thing, when we were playing each other, or? yeah, just in, and in general, just you being from Limerick and uh, just saying. That you're saying that you'd never play for Leinster. He's calling you a Judas. That's what he's saying. He's calling I, you a ju- I think he's played. You've played for Munster and Connacht as well, haven't you? So uh, a couple of years we got you up to Belfast. Yeah, you never know. I might do the clean sheet <laughs> and have me up there when I'm 35 or 36. Uh, it's good. It's good. Like when I when I kind of it's kind of worn off a small bit now. I've been up in Leinster a good few years. So, but uh, still some diehard Munster fans in the family. So um, my brother is obviously playing down there now as well. So. Uh, Christmas dinners are usually interesting enough, um, but uh, it's always good to go back and, and play down in, in Toman Park. And but my parents are fully fledged Leinster fans now, so I've got them over to the dark side. So uh, good banter, and it's always good to go back and play down there. You see a few familiar faces. Good stuff. More importantly to me, um, just tell me what happened after the game. How smashed were you? Uh, did you go out? <laughs> were, were you the kings of Dublin, like Jim claims he always is when he goes over there? How big was the night out? That's all people want to know. 
Uh, this is no, I'm not lying now, but I actually went straight to bed. Oh, oh my god! My word. You were doing so I, I, well. I know, I know, I know, but I, I can, can't name any names, but I'll give you, I heard a couple of lads were wandering the streets of uh, outside Coppers at about five o'clock. So, Copper face um, jacks. Yeah, um, I had the kids in at nine o'clock the next morning. I was on Daddy Judy, unfortunately, so uh, my, 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 the grandparents had hit the road early, so I had, I had to look after the kids, so. It was quiet night for me, unfortunately. So Stockdale is walking out. So you're saying it's Jacob Stockdale and, and, and Big Dev, definitely. And Big Dev mate. with their massive nut sacks just walking out. Big, Big Dev is still on it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I'm waiting for him to uh, follow me on Twitter, mate. I've, I've given him every opportunity. Well, I'm gonna... He knows about it. He knows the beef is still going, I think. Well, this is the thing. I don't, this week, I don't have a leg to stand on. Uh, mate, back onto the ruggers. So you, you're going to hear what I'm doing here. Joe Smith must have been purring. After that, <laughs> after that win, um, what do, what did he say to the boys after? Was there, was there any talk about this week? Obviously, I imagine there's going to be a few changes. But going into the World Cup, what does he say after that? Is it stay stay level headed, guys? We take it forward to the World Cup. What what was said? I think it was just a big well done because I suppose there'd been a lot of added pressure this time around coming into the game with us winning in Chicago two years ago and then maybe not backing it up a couple of weeks ago or a week, a week later against them at home in the Aviva and just a lot of effort went in a lot of lot of prep and I suppose he was just happy to see the commitment from the lads and, and you know Joe's always always good to you know acknowledge how it was a 40 man squad um, and the guys who didn't get to put on a jersey and um, that's the kind of guy he is so it was just acknowledgement for the hard work that we put in and the guys that weren't there as well so there wasn't really much talk about moving forward. It was just about well done, and uh, you know it was a lot of hard work. So maybe just uh, enjoy the night and uh, get ready for the USA the following week. And you talk about that. Obviously, he talks about the squad ethos and uh, the players that are in and around the squad that necessarily didn't play in that game. USA this week they've rested the big dogs. So you're back at Leinster, aren't you? And you're playing against the Ospreys on Friday, is it? In the Pro 14. Yeah. Um, how do you get from such a high emotionally now? You as a player, how do you build up to this game for the Osprey against the Ospreys when you've just beaten the All Blacks? It's sort of climbing Everest and well, then... mate, he's been changing nappies mate ever oh, since the game yeah, so yes. he's been brought back down <laughs> yeah if anything it's good to get out of the house and get him back out training, uh, <laughs> I know what you mean mate home for one day <laughs> is it okay or is it tough or is it you want to be playing against the USA how, how's that come about oh, I think I think maybe the, it had kind of been outlined that there was going to be changes made you know throughout the, the four games I had opportunities in the other three games so you know I'm glad to be back uh, glad to have contributed as, as, as much as I can in, 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 the, in those three games and Go back to Leinster now and just try and you know you, you, each of you guys would know just going back to going back to your club and trying to get back into the mix there and try and get back up with the calls and stuff like that. Uh, so looking forward to, to being to being back with the lads, good good group of, of boys in Leinster. So just get back there and and get back up to, to speed with things, Joe Lancaster and Leo. So uh, looking forward to that. So um, Jim's given me a question that he is too scared to ask because he. <laughs> Doesn't want to fall out with no, I, I told them not to ask us. <laughs> well, well, this is the question that's come from Jim. He said, you set a new record at the weekend, uh, a 56th test appearance as a replacement, surpassing Kevin Mealarmu yeah. for the most tests on the bench. Jim didn't want to ask the question. Well, he wanted to, but he, want, he didn't have the bottle to ask it. Did you You're know about the... the dirty work. Did you, yeah, I am. Did you know about the record, and is it something that you're just sort of swinging from the trees, announcing down the, the streets of Dublin? I'm I'm waiting for my letter in the in in the post box from the president uh, any day soon to acknowledge the achievement. Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, I did. I got I got a few tags on Twitter 
about it. Uh, but look, any any milestone's a good a good one, you know. Hopefully, I'm in the Guinness Book of Records now, or something like that. And <laughs> uh, I'll take that, you know. Well, mate, you've done it for a good team anyway, so that's that, that, that's a good part. <laughs> Especially when the match fees and the win bonus is the same, and whether or not you come on or off, uh, lad, isn't it? Exactly, Davey, tw- That's is the it twenty five pounds a game? You know is it twenty five grand a game as well? Or? This, we're not England. <laughs> Arrogant English. Sean, what were the what were the All Blacks like after the game? Did you catch up with them for a beer? How how did they respond to the loss? Um, I I, I, di- I didn't really, but a, a lot of the lads who were on the lines um, were were chatting away with them, and I saw Josh from the Fleer chatting to Ardy Savea. But I I think like he was asking, oh, or, or, is our season over now? To to Josh and stuff like that. So I don't. I think Josh was just telling him that our season's only getting going. Um, <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, there's Ospreys at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I just saw a lot of lines lads catching up with him. Had a quick chat with Dane Coles before he left. But uh, yeah, they seem like you know they're they're, they're grand. They're actually on. I, I remember in 2016 we beat them in Chicago and Steve Hansen coming onto the pitch and you know shake congratulating all of us. So they're pretty humble. Guys, I suppose you know they'll they'll be back. They'll be ready for the World Cup, and that's something that will you know as a squad that we'll have to understand. Yeah, it was a great win, but huge, a lot of work to be done, especially with us just starting our season. Really. So the players are humble, but their fans in Andy Rowe certainly aren't <laughs> arrogant Kiwis. <laughs> so we were yeah. going to ask you as well, but I don't think there's any point in asking you because through the grapevine. So I'll be in in Copper Jacks. Is it? Is it Copper Jacks? Copper Face Jacks. Copper Face Jacks. And I get a tap on the shoulder every time. Short Cronin's loose as fuck. Every time I'm out there, and then so I wanted to. <laughs> so like people there's almost this like shadow that follows me to, and I was going to ask you the question but you've told me that you didn't even go out after the biggest victory in Irish history so mm. th- th- that's complete bollocks isn't it you're not loose are you at all on the purse no no not at all look don't believe all these rumours you hear you know <laughs> Jimmy he's a wise man he knows his missus listens to the podcast we didn't go out in Edinburgh yes. either did we no we didn't go out in Edinburgh exactly. last you week until take, 5 in the morning stayed in with the kids stayed in with the kids it's fine She's she's calling the shots these days, lads. Unfortunately, <laughs> Sean Cronin, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on the big win on the weekend, and best of luck for the rest of the season, mate. No problem. Cheers, lads. Yeah, man. Yeah, cheers for coming on. See you Tell later. Big Dev, I was asking for him. Cheers, mate. I will. Good luck. <laughs> oh, good bloke, eh? But, yeah, nugget. Nugget. Chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets. Um, because he's, he's, he's a little ginger nugget, isn't he? He's a little ginger nugget. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they've copied. Is he loose? Martin though? Williams. Come on. He would have a beer after the game. So what's happened then? Uh, How, if, if, mate, it, he, loves it, it, he loves his family. Yeah, Some, do, mate, he loves his family. Jim, he knows his kids. If he I, loves his kids. If I ever beat New Zealand, if any of you ever beat New Zealand, <laughs> I ain't going home for a week. <laughs> mate, I don't go home for a week anyway. <laughs> so, how is he not allowed out? He should look after his kids, mate. Some of us do that. Some of us see our family on a regular basis and start in with the kids. Who would, the, who would have gone out? Who would have been like the, the front runners in that group? The, Stop, there's Stockdale, there's a very family sort of oriented feel about the team now. Like, you know, Rory Best, and they, love, they love bringing all the kids on yeah. the pitch after the game. Oh, that's great. That's great. That. Nice. Um, so there was probably at the hotel afterwards, it was probably uh, like wives and girlfriends, kids, etc. But they're definitely, I, I'm surprised. Um, it sounded like he was telling the truth. Who are the single boys? That's what we want to know. Uh, Stockdale. Stockdale. Oh, my, oh, my now. word. Is he single? Yeah. Oh, and he's got big bollocks as well. Uh, so he can fill a pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? You know when you fill a pair of pants or a pair of budgie smugglers or whatever, it's nothing to do with, with, with uh, the piece. It's, it's Everything's nuts. Everything is the size of nuts. Yeah. That's what they told me when they were, I was getting fitted. He does have some nuts, though. That chip kick, he nearly lost them in the oh. game. And two minutes later, same thing. Well, that's the, I tweeted about it, actually, and saying... 
that's coaching, out and out coaching, isn't it? And giving your player the confidence, okay, you made a mistake, but hey, guess what? We've got this set play that you mentioned as well that perhaps has been up Joe Schmidt's sleeve for a while, but you've obviously seen something. Ben Smith sprints up out the from the backfield to try and cut it off on the edge, opens the space in behind, and to be able to... Oh, I've had kicks charged down, I've thrown internet passes and all that stuff as a ball player. Your next kick or your next pass is horrible because you like just don't get it charged down, but he goes and creates the match-winning try by doing the same thing that could have lost them the game a couple of months. It's just unbelievable. It's a wonder try. Yeah, yeah. amazing. And it's that's perfect coaching as well. You can see it's a, off the training paddock. That's something that Joe Schmidt and all his cats have come up with. Um, and it's just brilliant to see. And that's his job interview for the All Blacks as well, isn't it? Steve Hansen's come out and said he's making his decision at Christmas. I don't mm. think... It don't sounds you, like Steve Hansen's going to finish up after the World Cup. See, I, I was at um, a, an event, something behind closed doors, a, a couple of years ago, and he was speaking... And he was he was brilliant. Like as in, he he, he opened up a little bit. He, he dry sense of humour because before that, you only go on what kind of what you what hearsay is, don't you? In terms of like, he's very dry, quite boring, doesn't give anything away. He was a complete opposite. We had him on the podcast, didn't we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. Joe Schmidt's uh, contract with Ireland's up after the World Cup. Yeah. Oh mate, he's he's he off. Said, he, that's him. He said that um, he's going to make his mind up. I think after this November, so that'll be big. Oh yeah. Do you think is he taking that? Cozy. I don't know. Do you know what his um, so his son suffers from epilepsy? Yeah. Is, is about uh, I think his name's Luke. I think he's about fifteen. Right. But I think that will go a long way to determining you know if he's in Dublin and he's happy and the mm. like. Obviously Ireland will be down to keep him. The thing is though, with where he is right now, he is in the best position of any coach in the world ever. <laughs> Literally, you know, he's got Ireland looking at him going, "We've got to hold on to him and give him whatever he wants." You've got New Zealand, who Steve Hansen's been in the job now what eight years has he? So I that's going to come to an end at some point. He is a Kiwi, but then he's just surely he's just walking down the street, what have, just exactly. going, "How much?" But then, you, yeah. the, the, but then you've got England and you've got a joker like Eddie Jones at the helm whoa, speaking. Whoa, no, whoa. no, look at the way that he's talking. He's doing my head in now. This is the thing, right? And we'll get on to Eddie Jones and. You know, I'm a little bit disappointed, a quarter of me as an English fan. But you look at the way that Steve Hansen, after the game, goes about... You know, might, he might be just doing it for the media, but it was all-out respect. There was no riddles. In the lead-up to the game, it was all-out respect for the Irish public, the way that the Irish fans conducted themselves, the game themselves. Maybe a little bit of mind games in saying that Ireland are the number one team. He might really believe that, but I don't think he does. And then you look at Eddie Jones in the lead-up to that Japan game... Get to the bloody temple. And the stuff that he was saying about the Irish and the Welsh and the way that what I'm saying is the way that he conducts business. Would you want him at the helm compared to having someone like Smith or Hansen? Culturally, the difference is Eddie Jones is Australian. And what's culture got to do with it? Absolutely. You say all Australians are jokers or what? No, no, I'm not saying jokers, but they're outspoken. They they talk a lot of them, and you name me an Aussie that isn't outspoken or you know talks the way they talk, and you know Checkers a bit like it as well. They're whiny in the press, and I agree with you. Eddie Jones said this week he's never going to a referees meeting again ever, and I just comments like that that you just don't see the top level people making. And also, you know, everyone talks about Eddie Jones who's deflecting pressure off his team and all this stuff, but he's inciting everything on himself, and we've said it for ages on here. And you're dead right; it polarizes opinion. Some people don't like it. Some people like it. I just think you're representing. You're the head, you are the face, week in, week out of your team. You're the one going to the media, you're selling the culture of the team. And you look at the way that Eddie Jones conducts that. Completely agree. If you're media and you're writing about it, you're talking about it, or you're just watching it as a fan, 
You're laughing. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a bit. I think it's weird. Yeah, and he every press conference he says something stupid, and then you hear Steve Hansen bit of mind games, but he says sure Ireland are the best team in the world. And then Joe Schmidt straight in saying, "Oh look, New Zealand have had a long season. Um, you know, it's fifty two thousand Irish fans at home, just sort of playing it all down, using using it all as an opportunity to sort of manage expectations. Very mm. smart. Um, and then Eddie's talking about temples, and we're going to absolutely annihilate you. Maybe <laughs> not quote unquote, but that's what he was saying. He said, mm. "Go to the temple." And pray because we're going to be ruthless and we're you going to try it, and smash you. Uh, ludicrous. Obviously, don't follow English England religiously, no pun intended. But his selections. Oh mate, why does he like? Why does he put Jack Noel in the centre? Who knows? He, like, who knows, why, mate? Does well, this... He said that. So this week, basically, he talked about playing Japan and he talked about replicating the World Cup. So they got a four-day turnaround in the World Cup between Tonga and USA, and that's what he's trying to replicate. So the first game, second game, making the changes. Looking at players, so Jack Noel, can he be in a squad of 30? Is it 30 at a World Cup? I think it's 30. 31. 31 at a World Cup. I, well, was, you know, I was the one. You were the one. You were the yeah, one. I was the one. Yeah. Jim, if I was 32. Jim, if it was 32, you'd have been in. <laughs> if it was 52, I still wouldn't have got picked. Um, but then you look at it, and you need players that can cover all positions. And you talk yeah. about selections, and this is one that I tweeted about. Danny Cipriani, tearing up the Premiership week in, week out, can cover fullback. George Ford starts at 10 for England against Japan. 50th cap, captain. Can't run a game to save his life until, I thought, until I thought, Farrell comes on next to him. I thought he got hauled off until I realised it was Lazowski. Lazowski, mm. who, who he'd taken off. That's a kick in the the nuts, eh? What were you thinking at halftime, Goody? Man, they're good. We, yeah, we knew they were going to come and entertain. They scored four tries against the All Blacks, was it? What they didn't have was that ability, and there was one turning point in the game was about the 60th minute when uh, the centre got stripped. I thought illegally about five metres from England's try line and at the time there was two or three points in it England was slightly ahead England go down the other end of the field score a try and that was the game done but the Japanese and I'll say this here now they are in the same group as Ireland and Scotland they will take Scotland down in that group you reckon? I hope so oh, you're, mate, <laughs> this is why you can't go to Scotland I was well impressed with Japan Yeah, as in Michael Leach how good? really good but we know that the way the Japanese train their culture their basic skills their ability to tackle their handling because they they train so rigorously, don't they? Yeah. And under Eddie Jones, he had a large part of that. Overall, um, though, it's not, it's not a, the worst result for England. Make eleven changes, and what did they win? Thirty-five, fifteen, or something. Yeah, scoreline flat. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think the scoreline. Yeah, it's true though. The scoreline didn't reflect the game at all. Yeah, um, and we did. We got two or three tries towards the death, which made it a lot more comfortable than it should have actually been towards the end and the way it looked. But you know, Eddie, Eddie's then come out and gone, "Oh, it's good for us," you know, adversity and all this stuff. And you sat there going. You just want some more respectful sound bites that actually, if, he'd, if Eddie Jones after the game would have come out and gone, I was wrong last week to say about going down to the temple and praying because maybe I showed Japan a bit of a lack of respect. Japan put us to the sword in that first half. They could have been, Japan could have been 10 or 15 points up at half time. And imagine the respect that Eddie Jones would have got from people going, yeah. you know, I've said these stupid things and I apologise. Our team weren't good enough in that first half, uh, but we fixed some things second half. Basically, we brought Farrell on who, who can run the game and, you know, we defended pretty well in that second half. And then. Japan run out of steam, we score a couple of tries, but he's just a loon. Especially off the back of the All Blacks game the week before. They did so well, everyone was talking about them, you know, full respect, and then it was just absolute jokes, Phil. But they brought the, Farrell went on 12, though, didn't he? Yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a traditionalist. Play yeah. your bet. Same with like the Toji at number six. Yeah. I don't understand why England are obsessed with trying to move Laws, trying to move a Toji, yeah. trying to move Farrell. You know, get a load of good players, put them in their best position. Mm-hmm. 
and then fill in the blanks. The, th- the, thing, I, the thing I was disappointed with, Farrell comes on, I'd have loved to have seen him come on at 10 and play with Azovsky because we, all, we know Ford and Farrell, they've played together a lot. And, you know, Ford struggles without Farrell next to him at 12. So Ford struggles without Tamua next to him at, at Leicester as the 12. So in terms of front football, Ford's brilliant, okay. But in terms of running a game and all that stuff, he's not. So Cipriani... How, how good was Cipriani on Friday? Had he been given the reins as 10 without Farrell next to him, he'd have ran the show completely differently for England in a positive way. So I thought Eddie should have left Lozowski on on the field at 12, brought Farrell on at 10 if you're going to do that, and you know see how that partnership goes. They play with each other week in, week out at Saracens. Well, clearly Ford's one of his boys, isn't he? He is. He is. You know, which is no problem with we haven't. But I Ford, mean, Ford yeah. should not be in that team ahead of Cipriani. Eric Thomas Snell has tweeted and wants to know if any other nation relies as much on one player in relation to Farrell. He's a massive influencer on how we play, and he's the leader. He's going to be captain, I think, at the World Cup, um, and that's the next progression in terms of Eddie making him co-captain, and then Dylan Hartley. At some point, everyone will back off that Dylan Hartley thing, and Jamie George will start. Regularly. Well, Jamie George needs to run a game, to he does. Play and to play well as well. But I you, t- it's one of those things. As a as a ten, you are the fulcrum of the team when you're the big personality. Now you take Sexton out of uh, the Irish team, Carby will do a good job, but he won't do anywhere near as good a job consistently as Sexton does. I don't Acro- that- across all boards as well. I think it's uh, I think it's a l- as much as I like to see England getting a bit of a bashing. I think it's a little harsh with Farrell at ten. I think England are capable of beating anyone. Um, if he's not there, I don't think they're. I would be surprised if they were good enough to win a World Cup. But I don't th- think that's that dissimilar to Ireland. Yeah, as you, as you're saying. Yeah, you want your best player. Like it's with England. Whoever's played at number eight. So Mark Wilson's played there in one game. Whoever's there, they ain't Billy Vanapolo. They can't mm. do what Billy Vanapolo. And that's the beauty of being a rugby player. And you know, if you're Billy, he's our most important forward. No one else can do what Billy can do in an England jersey because they're not Billy. You can have people that can add different things. Zach Mercer's got more speed, but he's been dropped this week. So Nathan Hughes is back in the squad. Jim, you're a big fan of Nathan Hughes, aren't you? Um, For Wass, he's a good player. There we go. Yeah, again, it's easy to pass judgment, isn't it? But I don't think he's performed in an England jersey once. I can't think of one game where I'm like, yeah. It'd be interesting to see who Eddie picks in the back row this week because there's rumours that Pocock's not going to be fit. Um, there's loads of Morella in there yeah there's, there's a sickness bug going through the camp so Falau's a doubt Foley's oh. a doubt as well um, and you want I actually you know I want England to win this game because it will then mark the end of a, a, a good autumn series for us by beating the Springboks losing to the All Blacks by one point potentially we could have won the game Japan was one of those games that we've come away with it in the second half a bit and then if we beat the Aussies then we're in a good place but the pressure is on this game so if Australia haven't got Foley haven't got Falau haven't got Pocock then we win and should win fairly comfortably, but you know you hope they're all fit. Scotland, what went wrong, Jim? Mate, why are you so negative? <laughs> <laughs> did I call it last week on the podcast? You did. I, I did. You were so anti-Scottish. Uh, no, like, I wasn't anti-Scottish. You said Scotland are rubbish. They ain't beaten the Springboks. Uh, Springboks turned up. They were very good. Scotland again naive. Had an opportunity to close the gap. They had a kick later into the game, maybe around sixty-five minutes uh, in front of the sticks. Went to the corner. Hundred percent went to the corner. Why, more why, turnover. Why, why do that? They were on the ascendancy in the game, like they were, but I don't know. I thought it was a crazy decision. I think that's Scotland's issue at the minute between where they are and getting to that next level, the balance between playing rugby. Because I'm with Jim here. I love the way they play. Yeah. Like They pass the ball, they run at speed. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? Yeah, just, no, no, <laughs> that, you're right. um, The pace they play, how good is it, it's the, the, way, the way they're playing now? And then you take it back to when Jim played, they were shite. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right in what you're saying there about the speed of ball. And if you want me to go proper corbs on you and gnaws you about it, <laughs> but that's their downfall as well. Because they play this loose game, right? Yep. And they're offloading. They're getting hammered at the breakdown. So that's been their problem for the last... 
two games. You look at John Barkley's injured, right? So yeah, but I'm not on about defensively. I'm on about in attack. In attack. Yeah. If you look at the Pollard's try, the scrum on the 22 on the left hand side, the bizarrest exit. Hog throws this miracle ball over the top. Uh, what are you doing? Yeah. The ball oh, squirts no. out, and then the next phase. Now, I do appreciate that. Finn Russell's pass to Hugh Jones was it last year against England yeah, let's yeah. not, talk, I, about, let's no, not no, talk about that yeah, yeah right so when they put you, points on them. Yeah, if you rein it in a little bit you lose a bit of that flair we know the Peter Horn try came from playing from deep I'm all for that I that's, love that that was from a turnover wasn't it from yeah deep, so that's turnover. different you know I just think when you're playing South Africa, these these teams like that, you're just giving them seven points. Like exactly. there's that's the game done. Yeah. If, if they kick that ball out and halfway, they win that game. But they were good enough to win the game. Like they were. They were. Like the game, it was a well match team, a well match game, and South Africa like they were good as well. It wasn't as if like they turned up and they, they couldn't they couldn't be bothered. Etzebeth was missing, but Willie Willie Larue got simbined early on. And for now the I need to talk to you about Willie Larue because. You've called him on this podcast Willie LePoe, haven't you? No, I said that his first season at Wasi was Poe. You called him Willie LePoe, and I was listening to your commentary at the weekend, and you were like, oh, how good's Willie LaRue? Yeah. Mate, he's been awesome. You were all over him. Yeah, of course I was, man. I'd, I'd, I'd call it as I see it. And he got simbined yeah. early on for going inside. i tell you what, on that note, Roman Poit was abysmal. Oh. Mate, he was absolutely abysmal. I obviously haven't spoken to you about this. I, I thought that was a little harsh, the yellow. Thank you. Willie LaRue's? Yeah. What do you think, Goody? You call it call it straight. Okay, I've seen the wider... He's ran a good 25 metres to try and intercept that. Mm. Imagine running 25 metres and just smashing on the floor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I can understand the, um, the ref giving a penalty. I it, Listen, he's an international fullback. He's sniffing tries. There you go. Like He has not come in there like an NFL linebacker to snap that. Like, yeah. Okay, the, 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 it, it was tough. I can understand a penalty, but I thought that was I thought that was very hard. Yeah, Roman Port. I thought the the yellow card was wrong. It, letter of the law now, and the the way they're refereeing that is if you go for it with one hand. Yeah. Even if you're trying to catch it, they generally give a penalty. So, but you're right with Roman Port. It's, it's like he just makes things up as he goes along. But, but that's what it was, and so obviously we are privy. Is that the word? Privy. 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 Privy, yeah, privy, privy to certain yeah, information. So we're privy to the TMO. And the referee mic. So we can hear, when we're doing commentary, the referee's microphone to the TMO. So we can kind of make comment or, or before it kind of happens, before the public get to see it and hear it. So we can hear on the ref mic that the TMO is saying, offside at a breakdown, there's an infringement. So we know that, the, he, that there's an advantage being played. But Poit, Roman Poit, isn't putting his arm out. So the players on the pitch haven't got a clue, haven't got a clue that there's an advantage. And he goes back to a penalty two phases before. And you guys know as, as backs or as players... Generally, that's when you'll go for the miracle kick, won't you? Or, yeah. or the grubber through or the speculative pass. And Scotland had advantage a couple of times, but no one knew. Mm. And he goes back. And it's like, we need to tell yeah. players some, to know. And you talk about, you know, go back to the All Blacks Island game. Wayne Barnes, his communication. And there's there's parts of that game that you can say Wayne Barnes should have given a yellow card, in my opinion, to Carney, where he takes out Rico yep. Yuani. How that's not a yellow, I don't know. But, but we're just, Irish, so... We yeah, might. I was just happy that <laughs> Ireland won. But you listen to Wayne Barnes talking to the players... He is the best communicator I've ever heard. Relaxed. And, and that's the way the game unfolded, and that's why it was such a quality game. Roman Poit's like, mm, high five, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> what did you make about Khaleesi's headbutt? Well, the thing that disappointed me with it, because I put BT Sport on to listen to Ali Eakin and Jim Hamilton. Alessand. 
I thought, mate, you're good, but you just didn't pick up on Carlisi's headbutt. I Matt, I didn't want to. I like him so much. <laughs> Someone's wrapping around on the floor. He's gone back with his head. Someone said it was a Glasgow kiss. No, Glasgow kiss is forehead to forehead. Forehead to forehead, yeah. yeah. It's not, for, for me, Carlisi's one, I don't think it's a red. He's trying to get him off, I mean. He is, but I think it's a yellow. You, yeah, you know what you're doing. I think it's a penalty and a yellow. Because he was raging in the game for some reason. He must take Scottish But Horny, Horny, Horny's holding him down. Yeah. So Horny could have a yellow card as well. Um, you, you can't get a yellow card for holding people down. But the mitigate if you're if you're a strong ref you go Khaleesi you're having a yellow card against you for trying to not he, he brushed his face didn't he with the headbutt he, it wasn't a, it was a backwards get get the fuck off yeah I think Horny thing. was Horny mate um, Horny's trying to rub in his back isn't he or something speaking of Horny what a try oh unbelievable did that make you Horny very yeah very. Hugh Jones unbelievable Leicester Tigers Hugh Jones did you notice when the ball comes out the back and Horn gives the pass uh, to Maitland yeah and Jesse Creel knocks him over so Horn's on his arse yeah and then somehow Creel's giving it this one wins into the referee so out of picture somehow Horny gets up sprints 60 metres and gets under the stick didn't say that didn't yeah. say I that I should have been on comms yeah there yeah, you, you go mate, you you should. Should. sorry to go corbs on you BBC Radio Ulster <laughs> I was at the big game yeah, yeah you were mate the big show Howie Gosley's um, messaged us and asking, has Scotland done enough this autumn to prove they're the, they're the best tier two nation? Tier or what? should on. they have to play Japan for the title? <laughs> and, what? Andy Rowe's not even flinching. How we, you, you think Scotland is a tier two nation, don't Howie you? Howie Gosling, I, mean, I love you. Mate, Scotland are ranked, were ranked sixth in the world. South Africa fifth. I think Scotland now, like Caves, Cavesy said, they can get them small bits right. And Goody thinks Japan might beat them in the World Cup. I think Scotland, this Six Nation, have got a real chance. Real chance. Dreaming. It's interesting, though. You, just the last thing on Scotland, and it's the same thing that got Why thrown. is it the last thing on Scotland? Why can't we talk about it Just before we change the subject. Because you talk about the All Blacks, and people have labelled the All Blacks with that inability to change the way they play. Um, and that's what perhaps cost them the game against Ireland. They were just doing the same thing time after time with their attack. Scotland, their sort of work on and the way to get to the next level... The way they play, and Cage said it earlier, it's amazing to watch how they attack, but you can't always do that and expect to win games because you are going to make mistakes. So the next step for them is understanding, actually, we need to, Greg Laidlaw, slow it down sometimes, boot it, set piece needs to improve a little bit. WP now got absolutely stuffed at scrum time, didn't he? Well, again, referees' perception. Yeah. Quite so, you know, the, yes, they, they, they have fundamentals of the game which are up there with the best in the world, Scotland, but they've also got deficiencies that, you know, it's why they generally have got the wooden spoon over time. Uh, Wales 74, Tonga 24. Uh, bit of a slow start for Tonga, but they came back into it. Well, Wales were winning comfortably, weren't they? And then it went to 24 all. Liam Williams, was good to see him get his 50th. He follows me on Twitter, so he's a mate of mine. Would you say you're mates if you follow each other on social media I, or not? That actually, I, I should bring, I should bring that up. So obviously consider myself now a bit of a friend of the pod. Yeah. Um, been on a couple of times. Last time I was on, Jim texted me after, so I have to get you back, mate, it went well, all this. So having a laugh. A few days later, it came up, I was scrolling through Facebook, comes up on my Facebook up the side, friend suggestion, Jim Hamilton. So I'm oh. thinking, Facebook, you know, the algorithm of Facebook listens to the rugby pod. Yeah. Mm. That knows. So I screenshot it, send it on Jim the WhatsApp, and I go, look, mate, you know, even Facebook knows. Even Facebook knows. <laughs> and he just wrote back and went, I don't use Facebook, pal. <laughs> <laughs> True, I don't. I haven't, and I haven't heard from him since. That's it, mate. Mate, we're Celtic brothers. We what are. Happened? We are. I'm, fr- I'm friends with him on Facebook. I saw it was his birthday on the, over the week. Oh, I was waiting for that. So, yeah. was it his birthday? birthday? 
Yeah. I didn't even know it was your yeah. birthday. I would have known if you'd had me. It was your 40th <laughs> and you didn't tell us. So, so is, is that a happy birthday, Goody? Happy not? birthday, Thank Jim. You. 36. <laughs> 36. I don't look a day past 23, really. Uh, mate, I'm gutted. I didn't why know. Why are you gutted? Because you well, would have taken ma- me out for food, a buffet. Yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't. Was that Wheels Tonga? Is that a stun on Wheels Tonga? Yeah, well, Wheels Tonga's great. <laughs> well, to, be fair, to be fair to Wales, eight wins in a row. Mate, um, Wales are doing well. Yeah, and they've got squad depth as well. So when Jim talks about Scotland and the Six Nations... Absolutely no chance. Wales, definitely. Wales are in a good place. They're yeah, very really, place. really under the radar. I'll tell you one thing we should talk about, and I am quite sad about this because I'm a huge fan of the South Sea Islander teams. They're falling by the wayside, big stars, aren't they? You know, you look at Samoa. Samoa lost to Georgia at the weekend. That's what I mean. So you look at Samoa, you look at Fiji, and, and I love Fiji. I love Fijian players. I love the way that they play. And you look at Tonga at the weekend, I mean... It's it's a shame, isn't it? Just on there, William jo- uh, Jonathan has got in touch and says he's frustrated watching the Pacific Island sides get hosed and wants to know if they will help more with better infrastructure, training facilities and coaching, would they be competitive with the best teams in the world? So that's to back up what you're saying, Jim. Well, it's to back up, but all the teams that we played in, Kevin, I don't know about you, Nick Williams, he was also for a long time, wasn't he? Yep. And he's South Sea Islander descent, am I right in saying Yeah, that? I think he's Samoan, Charles Piatai, Tongan. There you go. So you're name-dropping now some of the best players, you know, the two Alangis that we've, we've played with, the Vunapolas. These guys who are fit and in a professional environment are generally the best players in your team. And then they go back to play for the, the Pacific Islands and they're getting beat 74-24 by not a second-string Wales team, but an underpowered Wales team. And, it, you know, 50 points is a it's a, mile, it's a hundred mile difference. It's so under preparation. I look at how much, uh, obviously I'm not involved in it now, but how much preparation Ireland put in. You know, there's mini camps. All yep. players are centrally contracted. They're getting pulled out of games here. None of that uh, sort of World Rugby International window. Yep. You only play when you're allowed to play, all that. And then you look at the Tongan players scattered all over the world. Uh, we'll meet in, meet in London, sure, because nobody's in Tonga anyway. You know, just thrown together. They haven't got a chance until they sort of get I don't know what the answer is. Is it a Pacific Island uh, Super Rugby franchise? You know, I think with Argentina, it's worked well getting actually getting a lot of their players back at home. And I think we've seen something similar with Japan. I, I don't know if that's the answer, but just something to get them a bit more together. We've talked a lot about the uh, international rugby that's been going on, but uh, the Premiership was on as well. Goody uh, wasps. What's going on, mate? Um, I didn't see it. That way. Well, well, it's, it's, well not, it's not about the game. <laughs> it's about the off-field stuff. You uh, no, right? Wasps, uh, we, What's were, we were poor at the weekend. Naira Varro literally, single-handedly, destroyed us. Wasps, we, we, were, we were garbage. And Di Young was very honest after a game. And Di was like, you get what you deserve. We deserved absolutely nothing. Missed too many tackles, made too many errors. You know, we're going to work hard and, and bounce back. We're in, a, we're in a slump in terms of our form. Problems off the pitch, Goody, or not? I'm no. going to ask you. Mate, you, mate um, you asked Wait, me the what tough problems? questions. What problems? Well, the Coventry Evening Telegraph produced some accounts that hey, came mate. through. And I, I, again, mate, I, I ain't a man. Did they have Goody's wage on? Yeah, big food <laughs> bill. Added on. Yeah. Did it have the hospitality <laughs> sales and stuff on there? No, listen, I'm, yeah, there's a lot of rumours that are going around. And as we had Lawrence Delali on here a few weeks ago saying, off the field, Wasps are the most successful team in, in terms of money coming into the club through various different activities now you compare it to Saracens I looked at the games at the weekend Saracens had 7,000 people at Allianz Park I was one of them right <laughs> so that ain't balancing the book 7,000 people watching Saracens on a Saturday I'm just going what's been thrown around on social media what was in the newspapers about the accounts I don't know anything about accounts my maths teacher was rubbish great woman <laughs> great woman Gloucester hammered Leicester 36-13 on Friday night and Cipriani start again we'd already talked about that Ollie Thorley uh, has he got what it takes to play international level if he stays fit? Mate Cheltenham College apparently 
and he's got a tooth missing at the front. You'd never know he was a private school kid, would you? Is, it, is it a tooth missing or is it a massive gap between like Alex, Alex, like Alex Groves? I, I, <laughs> I remember Grovesy. What, Keith? <laughs> Keith the teeth. Yeah, he had, he had a horrendous teeth. We called Stonehenge. Some wheels. Thorley, those, those wheels to finish that trial. Mate, what about, how good was Ben Morgan? Ben Morgan's he must, footwork. He, mate, he must be out of contract at the end of this year, <laughs> mate. We're on a group chat, some of the Gloucester old boys, and if Morgs ever plays well, we're like, yeah, he's out of contract. Yeah. <laughs> um, mate, Gloucester were awesome. Leicester were, were poor. Apart from Tom, Young, Tom Youngs, who was flying in left, right and centre. Funniest thing was, on Sunday, for my birthday, uh, met up with... Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Jim. Yeah, two of my best mates, Brett Deacon, who, who's coaching Leicester, and me mate Slugger, I've spoken about before. Now, Timmy Taylor was there as well, who was good mates with, and he coaches Gloucester. And it was like we got to the park, there's hundreds, hundreds of kids, four of them are mine apparently, and we're all stood round having a coffee. And 14, it was like 14 of yours, are they? <laughs> and we're all stood round having a coffee, and it was like, yeah, awkward. You had to be there, Cozy. Yeah, great story. But that must <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, just on Gloucester, it's Jesse Krill. Did you see the interview that he did? Yeah, amazing for that game. Mm. Mate, unbelievable his story. So, giving him a shout out and the whole of Gloucester because I call Gloucester top four team. Mate, they got they, a, they, they got a chance. They yeah, are, they mate. Have. They are top four team. Hundred percent. Bristol were unlucky at the death against the Chiefs. Uh, Uber Wookie, Matt Owen, his, his Twitter handle is Uber Wookie. Uh, should a penalty try have been given at the end at Ashton Gate? From what I saw, Tom Lindsay is the last play of the game. Tom Lindsay's coming from the side. Didn't actually collapse it himself, but deliberately came at the side. Sheedy to fly off. I don't know what you're doing. Fly off should never get involved in malls unless you're plus 100 kilos, which I was, so I did. Uh, he's come in and chopped it down from the side, and it's been held, kind of held up over the line, but massively illegally, I thought. I thought it was the right call, and it's a, a ballsy call as well, because Bristol at home, Exeter driving over the line to win the game. He hasn't even looked at it. He's just gone straight into the sticks, which... You don't even have to convert it now because they were losing by six, so they would have had to convert from the edge. Yeah, and that's what I thought. So it's the referee. He's got dark hair, fake tan. It's Greg Greg McDonald, Greg and we used to abuse him. He's got a spray tan yeah, as well, he, dark hair. <laughs> so when I, I, say, when I say abuse him, I have a bit of a joke with him. He looks like uh, the fella off Gavin and Stacey. But I, you know, I thought it was brilliant. He's made a call that he thought, and he was hundred percent committed to it because the easy thing would have been, oh, it's held up or penalty, whatever. But he's like, that's going to be a try, so give the try. Let. X to win and Bristol, you know, disappointed, but they play well and Bristol come to Wasps on Saturday and it's going to be a tough game. I'll tell you what, in terms of relegation, mate, Worcester look good. I, I'm going to say, I reckon Sale might go down. I'm a Worcester man. I like a bit of Worcester. I'll do you. They're staying up. Yeah. All right. You, you signing sign for Bristol? Sign Worcester, uh, Worcester, Worcester, Worcester. <laughs> <laughs> no, the few, ex, the few ex, a couple of ex-Ulster players, a couple yeah. of ex-Ulster coaches, so yeah. I always keep an eye on them, so very happy to see them going mate, well. This, this relegation battle is going to be... Who's going down? Mate, Newcastle. Wowzers. Oh, mate, I've saved them once. They can't be saved twice by me. Um, can they be saved? Imagine this. Imagine they get all the way to the European final and they get relegated. At the big game this weekend in the Premiership, Friday, Newcastle host Bath. If Newcastle don't beat Bath there, then some serious alarm bells are going to go off because yeah. Sale are playing at home. You know, Bristol go to Wasps and you know, I'm nervous about that game. The way Bristol played, I think they could yeah, Wasps aren't in good form at all. Well, while we're looking at this weekend, let's look at the preview of the international games. Just quickly go around and uh, see who you guys are going to think uh, is going to win. Four home wins. Okay. So England, Australia. Yeah. Jim, who's winning that? So England, Australia. I'm going to go England. Yeah, I yep. agree. Scotland, Argentina. Scotland. Scotland. Yep. What's happened to Argentina? They got hosed by the French at the weekend. Yeah, they've been hosed up front as well, mm. Marilyn Desmond coaching. Um, you don't like Marilyn Desmond, do you? doesn't like me either. Ireland, USA, no-brainer. Yeah, no-brainer. Yep. Mate, USA are a lot better. And then the tough one to call, Wales, South Africa. I'm going to say Wales. This is Wales' big one, isn't it? This is their... Yeah, their, but they've their, never... Their their I, something that not many people know, Wales have never been unbeaten in the Autumn Internationals. 
never played four one four. We've always we said before they were always poor yeah. in the autumn. Mm. So it's a massive opportunity for them. Warren Gatland, obviously, this is his last autumn internationals. Um, he's off after the World Cup, isn't he? So it's a huge opportunity for them. Uh, I'm backing Wales. Should we have a look at what rumours are floating around? You guys got anything? Yeah, rugby pass put a rumour out about Hugh Jones. There was whispers about him not taking the Glasgow contract. Biggest contract Glasgow got going at the minute, 230 grand, which isn't a lot in now's market. But Hugh Jones apparently in advance talks with Leicester, Manu Tuolangi and Tamua. Tamua's leaving as well, isn't he? Right and saying yeah, that. Tamua's back off to Australia. Yeah, and so Manu... His big deal with his injuries might be looking for another challenge. I could see Manu leaving, to be fair. Racing or Toulon are talking to him. Leon are interested in Manu. But Hugh Jones is the big one for Leicester. They'll need a couple of centres there, won't they, to replace them too? Yeah, it's a massive... You know, you just look at Scotland and you know, obviously Hogg's gone down to Exeter. Hugh Jones, you know, a big star for them as well. Apparently going to Leicester. Interesting, isn't it? It is. Um, what else have we got, Goody? Mate, Rory Teague, mate of mine. Sacked. Sacked from Bordeaux. And he saw that today. Yeah. What's happened? Happened last week. They got, Luke Haraway, the chief captain of the Filthy 15. No, Joe Worsley's taken over. And I think Christoph Urios has agreed a four-year deal to take over. He's leaving cast at the end of the season. Really? So I think Joe Worsley's probably going to get the gig to the end of the season. Then Urios is going to come in. Urios has had unbelievable success at cast. Mate, cast have been brilliant. Yeah. Um, and he didn't want to renew his contract with Cast, knowing that something like this, I think, Bordeaux are going to be a massive club. The owner has got silly cash, and that's what he's looking for. So uh, Urios is going there, I believe. Another rumour. So Go Quinns on. have got this link, haven't they, with New Zealand through the a- AIG. So the New Zealand under-20s fly half. Harry, who's a plumber. Is it Harry Plumber or just Harry is a plumber? Harry is a plumber to Quinns. Yeah. So Other big news at Quinns. Landajo. Landajo. RG Scrum Off apparently going to Quinns potentially okay. Danny Kerr big question marks over what he's doing what do you reckon he's been dropped out of the squad hasn't he he has for this weekend um, but obviously you know as for Quinns and for any club actually when you've got your top players you can't just sit there and go well Danny's definitely going to sign with us so we will just not go into the market and look for people so you, you start talking to other players as well so the, that's where these rumours come from you know Manu like you said talking to Racing and Toulon and Leon. Um, so Hugh Jones is now being linked and it's a two-way thing isn't it um, so there's chat of Joe Simpson as well looking elsewhere maybe at Gloucester because uh, I heard Velicott might be going to Wasps or going to Quinns as well so there's a, that little merry-go-round of all the players it's quite interesting one more Luke Cowan Dickey apparently has refused to sign a contract extension or agree a contract extension Exeter so they're looking potentially Leicester Tigers really? Luke Cowan Dickey oh okay and Harlequins potentially as well talking to them Interesting, because he is exeter dies. I thought it'd be a money thing, I reckon. I think that he'll be wanting north of 300 mm. to stay, and whether or not Exeter would pay that. Well, Slade, Slade and Noel have taken up a lot of it, because they've just re-signed. But, yeah. uh, another one, Leicester, again, back in the market. Hopefully, of, of Jordan course. Murphy's pulling the strings here. Yeah. Sam Carter? Australia. Yeah. 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 Potentially going to the Tigers as well. So, plenty of rumours. Yeah, well, they were talking to Jeff Parlin as well, Leicester, weren't they, to be line coach, but he's been confirmed as the Melbourne Rebels. Look at Tim nodding like, I've done my research. Holy shit. Kevzy, <laughs> anything for Ulster? Um, what, what are you doing? Do you want... My contract is up at the end of the year. Okay. So, it still hasn't been agreed. So. And we like Worcester Warriors. We've said uh, that. Yeah, okay. Leicester, Smart. Leicester are looking a centre. <laughs> Leicester, um, Leicester, you know, Leicester I know centers. they're looking Hugh Jones, but uh, you know, if they want something uh, you know, a bit more going forward, then I'm on the market. Darren Cave. <laughs> there we go. Darren Cave, here we go. 
Well, we know Dan Cole listens to the podcast because he didn't speak to me last week when I went oh, to Leicester he, he to, you, with Hambo. He? Yeah, didn't speak to me at all. And then Youngsy said, you think we're crap. What are you doing? And I said, Youngsy, you just bend over and fucking push, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so they were fine, yep. So, yeah. good, good mates yours, then, eh? Mate, good mates. Well, they were. They were until you've absolutely judged them and I've been tarred with the rugby pod brush. Goody, yeah, should we finish things off with the good to be the ugly? We shall. Plenty of good, as ever, in the world of rugby this weekend. And everyone's going to talk about the internationals, but I thought I'd build up to it in terms of international rugby. So we start off in the Premiership, and we start off down at Bristol's. John Arfoa. Anyone seen a tight head with better hands than John Arfoa? How good. The offloading game was ridiculous. The hands, the no-look passes, he's got it all. Mate, he's worth his half a million pounds. He is, and he's using Money Corp to send his money back to New Zealand. Is he? Anyone that needs to make international transfers, give me an email, andy.good at moneycorp.com. He sent a few quid back over the years as well. How much has he sent back? I can't tell you that. (laughs) But we do very good. Patient confidentiality. Is it page? You call it patient? Oh, my God. Jim, customer. Patient, uh, same thing. Obviously, Charles Piertaus stepped up uh, and was pretty special for them, so they are only going to get better, I believe. Uh, Gloucester, look at them. D Sips, Danny Cipriani, generally dominating Leicester with his performance. Ollie Thorley's try, absolute worldie of a try to cap off a fine performance by Gloucester. They're looking dangerous. Staying with the Premiership, Nair Rivaro. Oh, my word. Man Mountain. Who's Sim- he swatted off? Joe Simpson. Oh, poor lad. It was horrible, wasn't it? <laughs> It was literally, Simo tried to put everything into that tackle as well. Just like, see you later, sit down, boom! You can see Simo's next contract talk, can't you? Too small. <laughs> Just too small. <laughs> no, Ivara, it looked like a, a man playing amongst boys. Yeah. It was that frightening at times. 17 carries, 183 metres, 7 clean breaks, and 12 defenders beaten. That's stats that you haven't even got in your whole career, Jim. Sticking with great tries. Peter Horney, Horney, Horney's try. Yeah, I'm Horney. It was unbelievable. Set up by two exquisite Hugh Jones offloads. Joe Thocken, a singer, first cap, one try, nice way to start. Always like to tip the hat to people that get their first cap and have a big performance. He's an absolute monster as well. International rugby again, let's go. Georgia, they beat the Samoans, 27-19. Wiggs ears, Graham Rancher's ears, they're doing the trick in Georgia, aren't they? Yes, they are. Uh, That was pretty impressive. Jesse Creel's opener for South Africa, hell of a score that. Yeah. Shame about the commentator, but hell of a score. Michael Leach, he was the best player at Twickenham by far for me. Yeah. I don't know, it's one of those things, when you're a commentator... And we all commentate now when you give man the match or get to pick the man of the match. Everyone generally goes for the player from the winning team. So Maratoji gets it at the weekend. And Maratoji was pretty good at times, but Michael Leach was hands down the best player on the field at the weekend. 10 carries, 88 metres, seven defenders beaten, a couple of turnovers and a try. That's not man of the match stats for a back rower, even in a performance where you lose pretty special. Wales smashing Tonga, eight on the spin for them. And then individually, a couple of players that get a shout out. And you'll be surprised by one of these, Jim. Why is it Devon Toner? First and foremost, Liam Williams. Okay. Uh, 50 caps for Wales at the weekend. Yeah, I said that. Secondly, George Ford, 50 caps for England. Okay. Uh, Well done. Pretty good for him. But there's only one place to finish off, really, isn't there? I've gone through every single rugby good this weekend, but there's only one thing to talk about, and that is Ireland's victory over the All Blacks. The goo this week goes to Ireland. They nullified the All Blacks, didn't even score a try. Shocking performance from them, but it was all about Ireland. They've now won 17 of their last 18 games. Just ridiculous. The the way they're coached, the way the players all buy into absolutely everything that's going on defensively. Their scrambled D. Peter O'Mahony was huge. What about when Bowden Barrett puts that kick through? Everyone thinks Ben Smith's scoring. O'Mahony turns on a sixpence, gets back there. Unbelievable from him. James Ryan, 17 carries. Yeah. 20 tackles. No biggie. What about those stats? Yeah, they were right. Against the All Blacks. 17 carries and 20 tackles. Ridiculous. Um, They were just phenomenal from 1 to 23, including the coaches. So the good this week 
including Stockdale's try, goes to Ireland. Here we Happy with that. The bad. Not that much bad this week. Leicester Tigers, 36-13 loss. They looked off the pace at Gloucester. That was pretty bad. Newcastle Falcons, 20 points to 7 defeat at Harlequins. Three points adrift at the bottom. They played Bath at home on Friday night. Massive game. I'm going to throw Wasps into the bad this week. Wasps were bad. Were very poor down at the Saints. Samoa, that was pretty bad. 11th loss in 13 games for them. We spoke about that earlier uh, with their defeat to Georgia. But the bad this week, for me, is all about Coalisi and his headbutt. His reverse headbutt. The commentators on BT Sport didn't pick it up, Jim. You didn't mention it. Bottled it. Just didn't want to say anything. But for me, it's all about world rugby. And the bad this week goes to world rugby for the handling of this case. Everyone's talking about helping out players and protecting the head. World Rugby didn't make a statement about the Owen Farrell tackle. Thought they'd just keep their powder dry on that, but they've come out and said, Coalisi hasn't been cited. Uh, They've made a statement on it. For me, is it a sighting? Is it a red card offence, potentially? World Rugby have got to come out and say, now, we're making a stance. From now on, certain things are going to be okay. This is the way we're going forward. And if Coalisi can try and use his head to make contact and get himself free. Yes, there were mitigating circumstances. Horney's trying to put the back through him on the floor as well. <laughs> but the whole thing, the whole Coalisi reverse headbutt, that was the bad for me this weekend. Okay. Yeah, You can't be sending players off left, right and centre for tackles and then you know say that somebody's tried to headbutt them for trying to protect head and they've done so much to get rid of head-on-head collisions. 100%. And then if someone's going to try and headbutt, it's not good. Uh, and then the ugly... Uh, There's only one ugly thing in rugby this weekend for me, uh, and it's all about Gareth Thomas, the homophobic attack on him in Cardiff by the 16-year-old youth. Uh, Absolutely disgusting, but it's tinged with a little bit of good as well. So obviously no one wants to see that, but the way Gareth's handled it, um, and he wants to to have some restorative justice on the scumbag that attacked him. What does that mean? Basically a rehabilitation uh, through reconciliation with the victim. So he wants to be able to say, don't just bang him in prison or anything like that. Let's try and rehabilitate him and make him understand why it's wrong, what oh. he's done. Um, so, you know, for Gareth Thomas, he's put a, put a video out there about what happened and, and why it happened, and hopefully this can have a positive message on, on the public. And the fact that there's any homophobic attacks going on in the world now is crazy. So, Gareth Thomas, it's also it's a, it's an ugly thing that's happened, but hopefully good can come of it. Thanks, Goody, and thank you all very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out our monthly uh, subscription service, uh, Superfans, at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. The rugby pod! The rugby pod! Pod, pod, pod. 